and welcome to episode number 179, the Northern Miner Podcast. My name is Adrian Pocabelli. I'm your host. I'm the online editor for the Northern Miner, and I also help out with social media, which has been pretty busy, all things considered. As the world quiets down, our Twitter remains quite active, so we're always grateful for that. Again, if you ever tag us, we'll happily retweet you. So that is a win-win situation all around. Uh, how do you sum up what is going on from the industry perspective? Mining companies are really starting to come offline in a major way. Some of them are trying to have a streamlined operation. I mean, but here we have a story coming up with Newmont taking mines offline, lending gold, their Fruta del Norte mine they're taking offline. We were talking about mines last week, the zinc mine in Portugal that was going offline. The sand in the capitalist system, it continues to be poured. And you just feel as if the weight of the entire system is starting to creak a little bit. At the same time, maybe this new normal, renormalization of our current kind of lockdown situation, maybe as we adjust, uh, maybe things just can keep going here in some sort of fashion. I mean... I think one bright light, which some might not see it as a bright light, but I think the stock market, it feels from a sentiment perspective, and this is incredibly subjective, but it kind of feels like it has the shock and awe phase of this decline is kind of feels like it's behind us. It feels like the the panic is behind us. We have adjusted to our new reality. Maybe the stock market doesn't go up from here and it just becomes a new reality. We don't know. I mean, I think what we probably can assume is there's going to be a lot of volatility, both up and down. But it seems like the waking nightmare phase of the market is over. But who knows? I mean, that's just how it feels yesterday. And today we have a nice little bump in the Dow futures, which we're all paying a little more attention to now. Yeah, so interesting times. This episode, we're going to have the second part of our Robert Friedland talk. It starts off with him discussing the coronavirus. Now, this was done in early March, so it's not super up to date, but it's pretty relevant. And I think one of the most interesting things he says is how the antimicrobial properties of copper make it a more attractive metal to use over, say, stainless steel. And Friedland says that, you know, hospitals and even cruise ships, should they continue, will likely use copper. Because according to Friedland, these viruses, they don't live too long on copper. They almost die instantly, easily, whereas on stainless steel, they can live up to 12 hours. So it's a great perspective from a mining mogul and financier. You know, the perspective of of a billionaire is interesting, especially a thoughtful billionaire, especially who is very involved and trying to see what's going on, trying to understand the world. So Friedland's always entertaining, but he does bring a fair amount of insight on top of the entertainment. So looking forward to presenting you with that. We have some interesting stories. The metals continue to be all over the place. The precious metals are up. Whereas the industrial metals are down, we will get into that. And we have a very interesting 
story on China's rover that's on the moon. And so all over the place, it feels like uh, epic subject matter for epic times are in order. And so that's what we're trying to present you with today. So if you want to find us online, you can find us at northernminer.com, which has been very active. We have a lot going on there. If you want to find us on Twitter, you can find us at Northern Miner. And I appreciate all the retweets that everybody has been doing, all the likes and all the posting the links. You guys have been fabulous. So please keep that up. And we're also on Instagram at The Northern Miner. We're on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn, which is quite active. And we're also on YouTube where we post this podcast. And we're also available wherever podcasts are available. With that, let's turn to the news. And turning to the website... Here we go. London Gold suspends Fruta del Norte. Newmont withdraws guidance. And this is a Northern Miner staff article. London Gold has temporarily suspended operations at its Fruta del Norte gold mine in Ecuador due to COVID-19, while Newmont has taken similar measures at four of its operations in Argentina, Canada, in Peru, However, Newmont said mines representing about 80% of its production outlook for 2020 continue operating in line with production targets for the year. So that's pretty good. I mean, I don't know how they do it, but they have 80% of their production outlook remains intact. We'll see if they can keep that. And we have a quote from Newmont. We are not currently experiencing significant delays in the shipping of concentrate or transportation and refining of Dore, but they may occur in the coming days and weeks if certain government-required shutdowns and border restrictions occur. And they have withdrawn their 2020 guidance. Yeah, so now let's just take a quick look at Newmont's stock price because they have been a really interesting stock to follow along this whole coronavirus situation. So if we look at... The one-month chart, Newmont opened on February 25th at $50.76. And then, interestingly, on March 6th, Newmont hit $52.36. So despite there was quite a drop in late February, and then it climbed back up to $52. And then we got, on March 6th is when things really started to collapse in the market. And it went all the way down to $37.16, rallied back up to $46, dropped precipitously to around $40, and has bumped up and down between $45 and $40. And right now it's at $41.66. So it's been an interesting one to watch. A lot of these mining stocks have actually been quite interesting. I mean, if we look at Freeport McMoran, $5.39. And think about that. I've been thinking about that. In the context of Robert Friedland's talk, think about Freeport at five thirty-nine. Cameco nine dollars and two cents on the Canadian Toronto Stock Exchange. Silver has been very volatile, so a lot of very interesting moves in the stock market. And just finally, we'll get back to our stories here. Exxon at thirty-one dollars and forty-five cents. That gives a dividend yield of 10.6%. You round that up, that's 11% dividend from a company that is legendary for not having ever cut its dividend. So we'll see if they can keep that up. If they can, you're looking at buying opportunities 
of a lifetime, but you just don't know where things are going to go, and that's why they're so low. So with that, let's get back to our stories. And our next story is on Silvercrest. Now, this is a whole other aspect of this corona crisis. Silvercrest weighs legal options after underwriter bails on financing. And Silvercrest had some pretty big names in there. And I'll just get right into it here. As global financial markets began to melt down in response to the coronavirus pandemic, Silvercrest Metals inked a $75 million bought deal financing on March 11th. So think about that in the context of our Newmont story. On March 6th, Newmont had peaked, so things weren't so bad on March 11th. And this was underwritten, this bought deal financing of $75 million was underwritten by a banking syndicate led by National Bank Financial, and that includes 8 Capital and Scotia Capital. The deal was terminated seven days later. National Bank Financial said it was terminating its obligations under the deal, citing a, quote, disaster out clause in its agreement due to the coronavirus pandemic. So this is just a microcosm, I think, of situations that are going on across the economy. Any big deal. They're talking about uh, Louis Vuitton and the Tiffany deal, where Louis Vuitton had made an offer, I believe, for Tiffany. And now that deal is starting to come into question. So any sort of big deal when everybody is just scrambling for cash are being called into question. Any deal that's on the in the system is sort of called into question from all the way from these mega deals to people having to pay rent at the end of the month. Okay. So back to our story, the company disputes the bank's pandemic justification as the situation, quote, was fully evident when the bought deal financing was agreed upon with expectations that the precious metals market would respond positively to this known risk. You know, if this goes to court, I got to say, this is probably one of the toughest calls. It is a disaster, but Silvercrest seems to be saying they knew that this disaster was in the cards and had banked that precious metals would go up and then basically they bailed when this didn't happen. Silvercrest says it intends to pursue legal options against National Bank Financial for its breach of the agreement. Yeah, I think this is just the one that hit the news. You can imagine there are deals like this all over the place that are turning into a mess and that people are backing out of. So that is Silvercrest and... Finally, on the uh, coronavirus front, this isn't really, this is more indirect. First Cobalt is pushing ahead with their Ontario Cobalt refinery, so they're not letting this slowdown affect them. First Cobalt, and this is from the Canadian Mining Journal staff, First Cobalt has announced that the feasibility study on an expansion of its Ontario refinery will be complete in the coming weeks. It is also in discussions with potential automotive offtake partners looking for a North American source of refined cobalt sulfate. The company is also completing a pre-feasibility study on a restart of the refinery. And we have a quote from Trent Mell, the CEO. We are in the final stages of a feasibility study designed to validate previous work demonstrating that the first cobalt refinery can become the only North American refinery of cobalt for the battery mark. First Cobalt has a strong balance sheet and sufficient capital for at least the next 12 months. We will also have funds remaining from Glencore loan proceeds to continue with advanced engineering and permitting activities after completion of the feasibility studies. And once the studies are complete, the company plans to continue with test work and engineering, as well as engage with governments to ensure permits are in place. 
So that is the latest on First Cobalt. They are not slowing down yet, but this was written on March 19th. Today we're on March 24th, so these days a week is a pretty long time. So let's see if they can keep at that. And interestingly, we have a takeover, Endeavor Mining to buy Samafo. Endeavor Mining gave markets a welcome break from COVID-19 related news by announcing the acquisition of Samafo in a $1 billion Canadian deal that will create one of West Africa's top gold miners. So interesting timing. Uh, Samafo is in Burkina Faso and that has been a very troubled area. The transaction, the company said, will create the biggest gold producer in Burkina Faso and the Ivory Coast with production estimated at over 1 million ounces per year. Endeavor seems to be taking a pretty big risk, but maybe they know the area. The West African-focused miner owned by billionaire Egyptian Naguib Sawiris said the merger would bring together six mines with strong cash flow into one portfolio, the opportunity to optimize assets, and a growth pipeline. I guess, you know, they have an Egyptian billionaire that owns it, so at least he's from the continent of Africa. So maybe that will help him know how to manage that security situation over there. Endeavor shareholders will own about 70% of the combined company with Samafo shareholders holding the rest. Under the deal, the target company's shares will be exchanged. And apparently they had been in discussion before. Endeavor and Samafo have previously worked as industry partners and in early 2019 began a dialogue to evaluate the merits of a business combination, but were unable to reach a deal. Talks resumed earlier this year, the company said. And we have an analyst commenting, Kerry Smith of Haywood Securities, who we often quote, We view this deal as sensible and logical and believe there are no other interested bidders. This merger provides an avenue for both parties to benefit from accretive country and asset level synergies which remain a key point of focus following in-country volatility from a security standpoint. Well, let's hope those synergies are enough to overcome the security situation. We've talked about Samafo a few times, and it's pretty dire out there. And it seems, yeah, Burkina Faso, it seems like something we're going to hear more about in the coming years. Samafo shares have lost more than 50% of its value since early November when a convoy of mine employees was attacked in eastern Burkina Faso, causing at least 37 deaths and halting operations at its Bungu mine. The company had said it planned to restart operations at the mine in the fourth quarter. Not to be undone by corona, we have an earthquake. A Rio Tinto halts Kennecott after Utah earthquake. So just on this point, this is something I've been thinking about. As I mentioned in a previous episode, I had been watching lectures from the great courses on the Black Plague. And one of the very interesting things that modern scholars suggest might have happened with the Black Plague was there were actually two diseases going on at the same time. And I think with the world transfixed by this coronavirus situation, I think we always have to think there could be another thing that comes, whether it's a massive earthquake, another disease, like these things are all possible. And I'm not trying to be a downer here, but I think we just have to keep that in our imagination as a possibility so that if it does happen, we're not just, you know, thinking it's the end of the world. We're still have our wits about us and we're in a sense psychologically prepared for something like that because that's not impossible. And according to some medieval scholars, there may even be precedent. Okay, so just a quick little note on that thought. Uh, so Rio Tinto, 
evacuated all of its employees from its Kennecott copper mine near Salt Lake City, Utah, after a 5.7 magnitude earthquake hit near the town of Magna. All of its employees have been safely accounted for and removed from potential risk areas, the company said. Now, don't forget the context here. Rio Tinto uh, recently put out their net zero in 2050 uh, program, and they received a lot of criticism, but you can tell they are trying to do something on the ESG front. So here you have an earthquake. Uh, they removed everybody. Employees are safely accounted for. Rio Tinto reported limited damage to the operation or risk to the surrounding community and has temporarily halted all operations at the site. The company is conducting a detailed inspection of the complex with emergency services and Utah Department of Transportation. We have Arnaud Swara, who is Rio Tinto's chief executive of Copper and Diamonds. We have a quote, The safety of our employees and wider community is our first priority, and having ensured that, all our employees are safe and the operations are shut. We are now working with the local emergency services and regulators to ensure the asset is safe before resuming any operations. I think the fact that they're getting uh, Utah Department of Transportation and local emergency services, and basically they're getting opinions from outside, I think that's a really intelligent thing to do because if you do it on your own and just say, no, it's safe, and then something bad happens, leaves you in a pretty precarious situation. Just a little bit of background on the mine. Rio Tinto announced it is spending $1.5 billion to expand Kennecott and extend the life of the more than 100-year-old open pit mine to 2032 from 2026. So that is one heck of a mine. So that is in Utah, and that is Rio Tinto's Kennecott mine. And finally, I just want to look at this space story, the next frontier, prospecting and mining on the moon. This is from Dan Sekulik, special to the Northern Miner. So I've never seen an article by Dan Sekulik before, as far as I know and lost amid concerns about the coronavirus outbreak that has dominated headlines for weeks was news that the China National Space Administration, the CNSA, has achieved a milestone in lunar exploration, one that could have great potential for prospecting and eventually mining on the moon. The CNSA landed a robotic spacecraft on the far side of the moon back in early January 2019, so a year ago. The mission's lunar lander then deployed a solar-powered robotic rover called U-2-2 to begin exploring the surrounding von Karman crater. Though few outside the space community know it, the rover has been methodically probing this ancient crater on the moon's far side for over a year. By March of 2020, U-2-2 had traveled almost 400 meters across the lunar surface, making it the longest operational lunar rover in history. And there have been scientific studies that the rover is doing. Uh, investigating the moon's surface and the subsurface geology using tools such as a lunar penetrating radar and imaging spectroscopy. The CNSA plans to send another spacecraft to the moon in late 2020 with the specific intention of recovering up to two kilograms of lunar samples and returning them to Earth for analysis. If successful, these would be the first geological samples recovered from the moon in 40 years. Sekulik adds that these are relevant to the mining sector, as was shown during a unique technical session held as part of the 2020 PDAC convention in Toronto. For the first time ever, it brought together members of the mining and space sectors and gave them a chance to hear about the increasing convergences occurring between the two sectors. You know, wouldn't that be amazing if mining all of a sudden became a, a sexy part of the economy, unlike where it's been for the last two decades, where 
It's kind of, you know, you go, you go to a mining conference these days and it's like, what are we doing wrong with our PR is the, is the big question. Uh, why are we presenting ourselves the wrong way? Why does nobody like us? And maybe adding space to the mix is just what's required. Fotini Kutsavlis opened the PDAC session with space community meet the mining community, mining meet space. Kutsavlis is the Director General of Policy and Economics Branch at Natural Resources Canada, and the presence of a senior federal bureaucrat like her highlighted the very real desire to push these two sectors closer together. There was an overflowing audience at PDAC, and part of the government's Canadian Minerals and Metals Plan is an awareness that space is a new frontier for the mining community. Under the Canadian Minerals and Metals Plan, one of the goals of the new frontier is to help the mining industry leverage space-based and other technologies to solve terrestrial mining challenges, Kutsevlis said. Kutsevlis and many others believe there is much the mining sector can teach the space community and that it is inevitable that the two will work closely together in the near future. You know, it's true. Like When you really look at this, they both are basically planetary sciences. They look at the planet and rocks and the composition of the planet. So this is not at all a crazy thought. When we spoke to the members of the space community, we realized that both industries faced common challenges, she told the crowd. Challenges such as operating in extreme environments with limited energy sources and efficiencies. Challenges such as projects with capital-intensive needs with long lead times and increasingly re relying on remote and autonomous operations. Pretty interesting. And it's a pretty long article, so I advise you to go to it on northernminer.com. But it also goes into how the first thing they're probably going to look at mining is water. That is also a pretty interesting idea. And we have a quote from Abud Madrid, director of the Center for Space Resources at the Colorado School of Mines. And he says, further down this article, so there's lots here. Do check it out on northernminer.com. The most important thing there is water. Everywhere humans go, we look for water. As well, he pointed out that water can be split into its two constituent elements, hydrogen and oxygen, even if it's sourced from the moon. Quote, this is the most energetic rocket propellant that you can find. And if you can have propellant in space, you don't have to send it from Earth. While the idea of mining water on the moon may seem surprising, for Jeff Plate, it was more validation of his firm's belief in the very real potential for practical commercial extraterrestrial mining operations. Sounds like people are getting pretty serious about this. Jeff Plate then says, But then about a year and a half ago, I learned about the dramatic drop in the cost of launch to about a tenth of what it once was as private sector firms as SpaceX, United Launch Alliance, and Blue Origin entered into operational status. Is there a market? If so, how big is it? What is the price you can get for the commodity of interest? And then, more importantly, can you both technically and economically produce the and make a profit? And the answers to all those questions were yes across the board, and a resounding yes at that. I can't leave this out at the end of the article. And as for when a financed lunar operation could happen, Plate had a quick response. We think that we can credibly get a mine going probably in early 2025. And that's producing a thousand tons of water a year. So I think we can put space mining as a theme to watch for in the coming years and months and weeks. This one is hot. So with that, those are your news stories. And on to metal prices we go.
And turning to metal prices, we would like to once again thank our friends at Infomine.com who provide us with these prices each and every week. And Infomine has not let us down with the drama this week. On March 24th, gold is at $1,581.10 after it dropped all the way to $1,468 last week. This is $113 higher than last week's quote. Silver is at $13.89. That is $1.60 higher than last week's quote. Platinum is at $676.38. That is $48 higher than last week's quote. Palladium is at $1,830.93. That is $237 higher than last week's quote. Our industrial metals, however, are lower. Uh, On March 20th, three days ago, I think it's actually worse today, but we're keeping with our weeklies, as we say every week. Copper is at $2.20, and that is 31 cents lower than last week's quote. So that is a dramatic drop in copper. Aluminum is at 72 cents, 4 cents lower than last week's quote. Lead is at 76 cents, 5 cents lower than last week's quote. Nickel is at $5.16. That is 56 cents lower than last week's quote. Tin is at $6.58. That is 86 cents lower than last week's quote. Cobalt is higher at $13.38. That is 68 cents above last week's quote. Zinc continues the fall downward. It is at 85 cents per pound, and that is 5 cents lower than last week. So overall, precious metals rebound, industrial metals fall lower. And with that, those are your metal prices. And coming up, we have Robert Friedland, part two, and he discusses all sorts of topical things, including the coronavirus and superbugs and how copper could end up being a pretty useful solution. He also talks about green mining and how Ivanhoe Mines for him is building the greenest mine in the world. He also talked about palladium and how the reason that that metal keeps going up is because people need it for their health. Finally, he talked about the copper supply. The people at the top of these mining companies do not know where the copper is going to come from to power this new electrification of everything. So a very interesting discussion. I hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you on the other side. Now here in the UAE, this is an oil producer in the United Arab Emirates. They're putting up 1.2 gigawatts of electrical power from the sun. That's equal to the output of a large nuclear power plant. So this is now happening at an enormous scale. Courtesy of China, the price of solar panels to generate power is about two cents a kilowatt hour. It's the cheapest power on the planet. And if you're in Saudi Arabia or if you're in the UAE, you have incredible amounts of sunlight. So this is still the cheapest and most rapidly formed uh, form of electrical power generation. So now we come to our friend, the coronavirus, which has already opened at a theater near you. Very interesting. Uh, We've been living with these viruses, hold this for a few minutes, for thousands of years. This one likely jumped from bats 
to a, to a pangolin, an animal that people were eating in China, and from the pangolin to human beings. I've been researching this extensively, but there's all kinds of viruses that arise all over the world, and given that we're on air travel, they travel around the world immediately, and we have to do something about it. And there is good news in this field, so I'm very proud of all of you being here today, sitting together in one room. I think attendance may be down a little bit, but let's talk about this virus and show you some good news. So uh, China is doing a lot. The, the government has cut taxes. It's ordered state-owned banks to issue loans. They've cut interest rates. So they're doing a lot to stimulate their economy. That's quite important. But they're also doing a lot to help humanity because they've slowed the virus down. They slowed it down for a few critical months. They've put speed bumps in the path of the virus through a Herculean human effort. And that's giving you time to get prepared, to change your lifestyle. The common flu in Japan this year is the lowest ever recorded because people are using alcoholic hand cleaner 10 times a day. And people are thinking about the common flu because the prevention is very similar. When you quote a US government official, this is an actual quote, it's complete chaos. Everyone is just trying to get a handle on what the bleep is going on. Uh, the Americans are actually a little slow to react, but the fact that China gave you two or three months to think about it is very important to the American response. So some conferences are being canceled. For example, the gamers have canceled their conference, but since those of us have to go mining, have to get together, I congratulate you all for continuing with the PDAC. Next. So two Israeli startups are now selling copper and zinc nanoparticle masks that kill all viruses. Now, maybe 99%, they certainly kill all bacteria. I'm going to show you a little film about it and let you know where it's going. So, next. Uh, this is next. Hong Kong, where people are doing everything they can to avoid becoming the next victim of the deadly coronavirus. Many are turning to face masks to protect themselves. My message is more that mask alone is not enough. An Israeli company wants to offer a different message. Argamon claims its new revolutionary face masks are more than just shields, but weapons that can kill 99% of viruses like the coronavirus. It kills all viruses, all bacteria, all fungus, and it will do it 100% of the time, all day, all night, seven days a week. You can wash it, you can bleach it, you can dye it, you can hit it with a baseball bat. It's going to do its job. I designed this mask together with the Hong Kong government. And what's fresh off the press is that as of last night, they dropped the N95 and they adopt our Israeli standard. Israeli scientists use invisible sound waves to inject copper particles with antiviral properties into cotton. This new tech can also be used to make hospital bedding, towels, and much more. It'll protect you from exposure to a coronavirus and from antivirus. You know, uh, human ingenuity is real, uh, and it's not just for viruses. Uh, all hospital surfaces are going to be covered in copper because you now have these superbugs. You have bacteria, and of course, anytime your immune system is compromised by a virus or a bacteria, you may get both. So every surface in every hospital will be covered in copper. This is now mandated by the United States military in military hospitals. For example, when you go to the gym, one of the places you're going to catch a virus is to be lifting the same weights as everybody else. So the handles will be covered with copper. When you go into customs in Brazil, the customs counter is copper because stainless steel loves viruses. If you sneeze on your stainless steel, 
kitchen counter, the viruses love that stainless steel. They'll last for 12 hours. But in a copper counter, they die almost immediately and passively. So airports are going to look like this. Instead of having uh, stainless steel handrails, they're going to be covered in copper. Antimicrobial copper is certainly going to be required on cruise ships. I don't think anybody's going on a cruise ship anytime soon until all services are covered in copper. Next. Now, um, there's a genius who started Starbucks, uh, and his new roasteries are like the super-sized, super-scaled Starbucks. I don't know if any of you have been to one. They're incredible, but they're all copper. Howard Schultz is very familiar with this, and uh, it's like a Willy's, Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. When you go in there, they're roasting all this coffee, and it's mind-blowing. The whole thing is covered in copper, and it's a very safe place to hang out. Egizio Bianchini, a banker's banker. Egizio used to run mining and metals for BMO, and we use him as an example of people that live in an urban environment who actually think that a ham sandwich comes from a refrigerator. And uh, this is the problem, is that they never picture the 40 million pigs a year being slaughtered in a river of blood outside Chicago. So it's very important now for us to talk about these politicians. You know, a politician in a democratic society, a politician is somebody who bribes you with your own money, by definition. There's a lady running for president of the United States. She said, the first thing I'm going to do if I'm elected president is I'm going to ban all new mines and all new oil and gas in the United States. And that's an just an incredibly idiotic statement because the people have no idea what the supply chain is all about or where things come from. So it's time to contemplate the ham sandwich. Everything you do, everything you touch, will now be graded for how much global warming gas is associated with that, whether it's eating of meat, or how you fly, or how you travel, or the clothing you wear, because with 5G, everything is going to be tracked. Here's uh, Elon Musk talking about the biggest problem for electric cars, a direct quote, and it's a recent quote. We have to scale battery production to crazy levels that people cannot even fathom today. That's the real problem. The lady that's in charge of his procurement, Sarah, we know her, Tesla expects global shortages of nickel, copper, and other EV battery materials due to underinvestment in the mining sector. And you know what that's like. There is underinvestment in the mining sector. Mining today is less than 1% of the S&P 500 by valuation, which is the lowest it's been since we invented financial markets in 3,000 years. It's another Vujade factor. Vujade is the overwhelming feeling none of this has ever happened before. Money's never been free. Interest rates have never been this low. And the underinvestment in the mining sector is incredible. It's never been this high. In fact, 50% of the money invested in mining is invested for mining gold. But that's not going to do you much good for the electric car or cleaning the air. Next, please. Solar and wind power are incredibly copper and platinum group metal intensive. If you burn coal, you're using 1 37th as much copper as if you uh, go to alternative energy, wind power, solar power, the transmission of that power to the final mile, the storage of that power is incredibly copper intensive. These new GE 85-story turbines are sprouting up in the Dutch North Sea and the German North Sea. We need 5 million tons of copper in the next six years just for these wind turbines. These are incredible 
amounts of copper. We had fires in California. I owned a wine farm that burned down in the Tubbs fire. The second fire, the Paradise Fire, which killed 85 people, it's mind-blowing that the power line to the town of Paradise, California was 106 years old. You know, we're all getting quite old, you know. It's getting late. Do you know that the 747 aircraft is more than 50 years old? The bullet train in Japan is more than 50 years old. The bullet train, it's been around for more than 50 years. Did you know that America has power lines that are over 100 years old? It's just incredible, because if everybody plugs in their Tesla at 5 p.m. in the current American electrical grid, the whole grid will collapse. And so it's not just building the electric cars, it's how we generate electrical energy, how we transmit electrical energy, how we use electrical energy, and governments are going to pay for this in order to stimulate the world economy. Air conditioning. There's 8 billion air conditioning units will be required by 2050. We have 3.4 billion of them as of 2016. They're also going viral. There's no known air conditioning technology that doesn't consume copper. And you know, you got Africa, you got Indonesia, you have southern China, you have India. As these countries develop, everybody wants an air conditioner. So it, just the air conditioning unit needs copper, but the electrical energy to drive them adds to the situation I'm telling you about. So my grandson, his name is Albertino. Uh, he's, uh, he's about to turn eight. He's quite a character. Now, under previous uh, technology, he was scheduled to burn 459,000 pounds of coal in his lifetime. He was going to burn 971 pounds of copper in his lifetime. He was going to consume 24,000 tons of iron ore. But technology is changing. Now, we have 328 million people in the United States, like my grandson. 328 million. But I think all children on the planet, I'm sure you agree, deserve to have the same life as my grandson. They're all going to need to consume more copper, and they're going to need to consume more zinc, and they're going to need to consume less coal. And so this is going to lead to the revenge of the miners. Don't get depressed. The world will keep turning. We'll keep hurtling through space. There might be a mild Darwinian cull. The smarter people tend to survive. It's important not to be stupid, because it makes life tougher. And we really want to do something for our little planet. So we're going to now creep into mining. The big problem here is that not enough copper is being discovered on the planet. We're sitting right there in 2020, and we're about to go into a massive deficit. The world has mined around 600 million tons of copper in human history. If we can maintain 3% world GDP growth from here for the next 20 years, the world needs to mine more copper in the next 20 years than was mined throughout human history. It's a mind-blowing number. People in the major mining companies understand this. Where the hell is this metal going to come from? Next. That's with current technology. The largest copper mine in the world is La Escondida. 12 years ago, its average grade was 1.72%. Its, its remaining reserve grade is 0.52 of 1%. That's a two-thirds reduction in grade in only 12 years for the biggest copper mine on the planet. So what does the mining industry do to make up for the decline in grade? You make the mills bigger, and you grind more rock to make the same amount of copper, right? Everybody understands. So you're, you're chewing up more and more electrical energy and creating more and more global warming gas, depending on how you generate the power, 
to produce less and less copper. And by the way, the tailings dams get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and those tailings dams present an existential risk to the market capitalization of the companies that are doing the mining. So all the easy, giant porphyries have been found. There's a lot of 0.4 of 1% porphyries out there as you go up and down the Cordillera, but they need a much higher copper price to be developed. So the problem for Chile is they're mining more and more rock, but they're producing less and less metal. And this is coming at a time when we want to electrify the entire world. Come on, you know, the, the entire world is going to electrify next. So if we take a look at this cosmically, um, since 1900, we're using 16 times as much energy and twice as much water per unit of copper produced. As grades have declined worldwide, we need more and more electrical energy to make the copper. And it's the copper we need to electrify the world economy. Now, palladium is uh, at about $2,500, $2,600 an ounce. Uh, it's outperformed all other metals except for rhodium. Palladium is used to clean a gasoline engine because China is tightening its standards on cleaning the air to protect the health of their people. The palladium price has gone crazy because you need it. When a commodity that is required meets limited supply, the price goes up. Gold isn't that great. It got outperformed by palladium. Gold in human history has never been as valuable as palladium is today. And gold is way behind Bitcoin, guys. There's a lot of things that have outperformed gold. What really makes a bull market is when something is needed for human health. Palladium has gone up more than gold ever dreamed of going up, and it will continue to stay up. Next. That's because there's no palladium left in exchange-traded funds. The inventory of the available metal has collapsed. Rhodium, of course, has far outperformed palladium. Volkswagen is loading 0.4 of a gram of, ro of rhodium on every diesel engine they make on the catalytic converter because they got caught with their hands in the cookie jar in Dieselgate. If I was talking to you a year ago and I said, go buy rhodium, it's going to go up tenfold in the next year, you would think I was crazy. But I've seen molybdenum go from a dollar a pound to $30 a pound in the past. And the copper bulls are talking about it going from $2 a pound to $4 a pound. They don't understand. When this world comes out of the current viral slowdown and governments engage in huge green deficit spending to change the way we breathe our air, to change the way we generate power, you're going to need a telescope to see the copper price because we don't know where it's coming from without higher prices. So Ivano Mines, um, we've been around a long time. Uh, we mine copper, platinum, nickel, palladium, gold, rhodium, zinc, germanium, and silver. We have an affiliated company in Australia with scandium, cobalt, and nickel, and we're also working on vanadium for grid-scale batteries. We build the largest batteries around to store electrical energy at grid scale because it's very important to store electrical energy at grid scale. If you have solar power, the sun doesn't shine all the time. If you have wind power, the wind doesn't blow all the time. So you need these batteries. So those are the elements in the periodic table, ladies and gentlemen, that are the winners of the lottery. Those are the revenge of the miners. Those are the fifth industrial revolution metals we require. So this is super green copper. 55% of the tailings go back underground forever as cemented paste backfill. 
If our mine is 10 times the grade of your mine, we're using one-tenth of the steel, one-tenth of the concrete, one-tenth of the electrical energy, one-tenth of the labor force, one-tenth of the footprint. And since our mine is powered by hydroelectricity, we're not burning any coal to make the copper. So high grade inherently means more copper with less carbon dioxide generation. And in the future, if you buy an Apple phone, the entire supply chain of that phone will be vetted. Every Apple phone is, a, is an NGO. Every Apple phone is an NGO. If you're not mining consciously, you will find yourself on the cover of the New York Times. Click. So we're going to have a revolution in that everything that you buy will be ranked by how much carbon dioxide generation is generated, how consciously it's produced. And so the ESG aspects of how metals are produced are critical. Anybody who says you can't mine consciously in the Congo is crazy. The press says that there's child labor in the Congo, but newspapers are only good for wrapping dead fish on the third day. You can obviously have webcams on a mine in the Congo. You can actually vet how the copper is being produced, and you could, you could have it on a webcam 24 hours a day. Ivan Mines has nothing to hide about how we're going to produce our copper. It'll be the greenest copper on the planet. So our people are super, super proud of this discovery. Uh, some of the brightest geologists in the world worked for decades to find this. And we think there's room for 10 or 20 more of these mines to be discovered on our 100% owned land. This is copper the world needs. It's copper we need to electrify the world economy and clean the air. It's not the only copper mine in the world, but it uses less energy per unit of copper produced than any other copper mine. And we're not gonna build these ridiculous tailings dams that are required to guarantee their integrity and perpetuity. We have water in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. The Congo River is the second largest source of fresh water in the world. We have hydroelectricity. We have 90 million people with very young demographics young people that are anxious to learn this industry and develop it. And we're proud of our young Congolese as well. So it's a very funny company because it's a combination of, we're a Canadian company, Canadian miners, prospectors, engineers. We have Chinese joint venture partners and financiers, and China's the market. We have young Congolese being trained. It's a bit of a United Nations when we get there. We have five languages on site but we are building the best new copper mine on the planet, no doubt about it. So this is an example when I was there last week of what we're pulling out of the Bonanza Zone. For those of you that are all prospects are familiar with a Niton device, it's pretty rare to hold a Niton device up to a piece of rock and get 63% copper. So our plus 6% copper grade will have the lowest carbon footprint of any copper mine on the planet, and we think that copper will realize a premium price in the supply chain. We are also developing the largest and lowest cost precious metals mine in the world. Phase one is about 475,000 ounces of precious metal with a lot of nickel and copper to pay for it. And it's really well advanced now. Those of you that like to see it or like to learn more, please contact us. The rhodium alone, I mean, this is something we never talked about at Platte Reef, but just the rhodium byproduct. We've actually talked about this mine for 20 years. We've never mentioned the rhodium. There's 38 million ounces of gold equivalent just in the rhodium byproduct at current rhodium prices. 38 million ounces of gold equivalent in rhodium byproduct. 
and we've never even mentioned it in the resource. When we talk about the resource, we quote six metals. We've never mentioned the rhodium before. I told our people, we better start talking about this rhodium. It's twelve dollars or $13,000 an ounce. So our costs are in South African rand. The rand is around 15 rand to the dollar. Our revenues are in dollars. This incredible mine has a huge delta between the operating cost and the rand. I suspect if we use today's rhodium price, if we use today's gold price as byproduct, we're probably getting into negative cost platinum palladium production. So you see it in, in the South African rand, the chart looks even better. Remember, the costs are in rand. We're also developing Kapushi, which is an extremely high-grade zinc and copper mine. Uh, our best drill hole there was 340 meters of 44% zinc. We're almost done. We're in the iron business. We're going to develop an extremely high-quality iron mine, free of particulates, around 65.8% iron, very low in phosphorus and aluminum. And lastly, we're going to mine scandium with cobalt and nickel in Australia. Scandium makes aluminum into a super material. Very, very important project for the future. And with that, I think we're done. I hope my message was understandable. I hope you like the movies. Until next year. Peace. Done, right? Done. have it, Robert Friedland, live at PDAC, part two. If you enjoyed that episode, feel free to share it with your friends or write us a review in the Apple Podcast directory. That helps us out a lot. Share it with your friends. Now is a great time to be working on an art project or a little writing project. Everybody stay healthy, stay safe. And until next week, take care.